2: this is the cricket badger big bash daily podcast whether you're with the strikers the stars or the sixes you might be a renegade enjoy the heat love the thunder like a scorcher or prefer hurricanes brought to you in association with bluecrocodile.co.uk tie your kangaroo down put another shrimp on the barbie and enjoy the fun it's gonna be a ripper big bash 10
1: Hello, everybody! Welcome along. It's another edition of the Big Bash Daily Podcast. I'm James Butler, the Cricket Badger. Thank you very much to BlueCrocodile.co.uk for their continued support of these BBL Dailies. And uh, I had a very one-sided game today, and I'm rather a happy um, little bunny or badger at the moment because my Perth Scorchers have uh, convincingly beaten the informed Sydney Sixers by 86 runs today. One eight three for four. The Scorchers made, and then just a few seconds ago, we've seen the final Sydney Six wicket fall All out for 97, so a very hefty defeat in T20 terms. Sydney Sixers resembling a little bit the Melbourne Renegades today. The Perth Scorchers' third win on the bounce. To join me to talk about all of that, pick out bluecrocodile.co.uk, cricketer of today's match, and then argue their respective cases in today's kangaroo court. It's Ash Turner and Sam Dalling. Ash... That was a pretty convincing win for my boys today. The Sydney Sixers have been in terrific form in this big bash, but just didn't turn up today, did they?
0: Yeah, it was a m- massive win and really convincing from the Scorchers, who've looked like a different team since the arrival of the two overseas batsmen in Roy and Livingston. The uh, Sixers just never really got going. The has struggled, um, on, which was surprising because the track seemed, by the end especially, to be quite a nice quick track. They, they made the X facts something up popping and it did work, but it just never got going with with the bat at all. I mean, I think there was three ducks but, and they'd only lost four or five wickets. It just, just wasn't really good enough at the end of the day from the Sixers, but the Scorchers have got to be ecstatic. They've looked good with bat and ball and it's good to see AJ Ty getting a few wickets as well.
1: Sam, the Per Scorchers, um, halfway stage... I mean, it could have gone either way for them, couldn't it? They hadn't really gone at express pace through to the 10-over mark. 71 for one, the Per Scorchers. Only one wicket down was the key there, wasn't it? Because they're able to catapult themselves up to a pretty convincing score in the end. But having said that, Sydney Sixers has been that uh, good in this tournament, you wouldn't have put it past them chasing it down. But Per Scorchers 1-8-3 uh, in the end seemed to be more than enough.
2: Yeah, well, it turned out to be, yeah, as you say, more than enough. Uh, uh, yeah, it was... Still in the balance at the halfway stage. I mean, 183 for four is a, is a decent score, but as you say, the Sixers have been in good nick this season. I know they've now lost two on the spin, but you definitely want to bet betted against them at chasing that one down. But yeah, the key, I think, in the second half blitz is a, a the power surge and b having wickets in hand. You know, it allowed players to play a bit more freely. And Mitch Marsh, what a great knock today! It was he's such a powerful human being. I think at one point he was going at a strike rate about 250. Ended up. Two eleven, 11 I think it is, yeah, 57 not out, I mean, that was just, it just shows what a brilliant all-round cricketer he is, both with bat and ball and I think they would have been quite happy and yeah, they just sort of
1: blew the Sixers away. He's a big lad, Mitch Marsh, isn't he? And uh, when he hits it, it stays hit, as they say. And um, let's have a run through the uh, the scorecards. And Jason Roy, twenty-seven, Livingston, sixteen. Opening the innings, the two Englishmen. Fifty though for Colin Monroe from thirty-four balls. Twenty for Josh Inglis, who's in form at the moment, and fifty-seven as some says for Mitch Marsh, taking them up to one eight three for four. Two wickets for Steve O'Keefe, two for thirty-three for him, and two for thirteen for the. X-Factor substitute, Lloyd Pope, who came in and did split the partnership for Sydney. They came in, 44 for Jack Edwards, their opener, but apart from him, it was, uh, well... 14 from Daniel Hughes. 16 from Stephen O'Keefe. 12 not out from Jackson Bird, but it's too little too late for them. 97 all out. The main dangers for them with the ball, Joy Richardson. 3 for 15 in his four overs. Terrific figures for him. Bowling with uh, speed and accuracy on a pitch that was helping the uh, quicker bowlers, I think, a little bit. And 4 for 20 from Andrew Tai. He was the man that mocked up the tail there and sealed the victory. It means that Sydney Sixers will stay on 21 points from the eight games that they have played. Still top of the table, but obviously denied their chance to extend their lead and give themselves a bit of a cushion by that defeat today. And the Perth Scorchers, their third win on the bounce, takes them up to 13 points into sixth place, but now only two points behind the Melbourne Stars. who occupy fifth and the final playoff position. BlueCrocodile.co.uk Sort your mortgage in a snap. Are you a first-time buyer with your eyes on that dream house? Are you wanting to move or looking for a better mortgage deal? Let Blue Crocodile find the right mortgage for you. 10% deposit mortgages are returning. If you need to know how much you can afford to borrow, just visit bluecrocodile.co.uk. The bluecrocodile.co.uk, cricketer of today's match. There's a few contenders in this, aren't there, with both bat and Ball for Perth Scorchers. Where are you going to take me, Ash?
0: I'd be very tempted after basically the bowlers making the difference, I guess, in the end for Scorchers. I'd be tempted to go for either Richardson or Ty, who were both stupendous, and I've been really, really impressed with Richardson so far this tournament. But I think it's just got to be Mitch Marsh. The fireworks with his bat was just unbelievable, and there was a difference between an OK score that the Sixers would have felt they didn't really need to accelerate after, and the massive well, the big score of 183 that forced the Sixers to go at it quite early. I just think he made the difference in the end, and he did a little bit with the ball, which is always a positive.
1: He's uh, on my screen at the moment, being interviewed with a big smile on his face. No d- surprise there. He'll be a very happy, chappy in that Perth Scorchers camp at the moment. Sam, are you going to take me away from Mitch Marsh, or are you in agreement?
2: I'm giving. Serious thought. I I agree with the three candidates of Ash. I I think, as he said, that Marsh just in the end was that score that that took it away from the Sixers. The bowlers, I mean, three for 15 for Richardson, who's been superb in this tournament, that is a a hell of a set of figures for a a T20 game. And he did, he got. Got James Vint for a duck. Um, Ty, okay, maybe he bowled a bit, picked up a few wickets a bit later on, but he also dismissed a really dangerous Dan Christian for a duck as well, which you know he'd been in in cracking nick over this tournament. I guess I mean, look, Marsh did pick up a wicket as well, so I think I'm going to have to stick with Ash and, and agree. Mitch Marsh with 57 on and one for 12. It's a decent game for him
1: there. I think you're right, guys. I think he just shades it, doesn't he? But I tell you what, there's not going to be many days where a guy that takes three for 15 with the ball and uh, four for 20 with the ball. Richardson and Ty aren't the Blue Crocodile cricketer of the match, but it's going to go today to Mitch Marsh. He got 57 not out in quickfire style, 27 balls, seven fours and two sixes, then one for 12 from the two overs that he bowled as well. So Mitch Marsh is our bluecrocodile.co.uk cricketer of today's match. Oh. Mortgages are simpler than you think when you have a crocodile on your side. Blue Crocodile, making mortgages snappy and simple. Visit bluecrocodile.co.uk, follow them on Twitter at Blue Croc Money, or find them on Facebook. Blue Crocodile the Sixers um, never they got off to such a slow start they never really looked at the races today and I've heard this a few times during the tournament that you hear commentators saying they should now just you know they've lost four or five wickets whatever it is they should now just go for the big bash boost point and make sure they get the one point and maybe lose a few wickets doing it but get one point from the game but in in a way that you're kind of arguing the same thing really because the bigger picture actually getting going on and winning the match itself unless you actually get that acceleration in the 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th over, you're not going to win after 20 either so you've got to do it regardless haven't you Ash you've got to, you know if if you're down for 5 or something with 4 overs to go to the Big Bash boost point and you need I don't know, 30 more runs to get that boost point, there's potential there that if you accelerate, get the boost point, you might even be in position to then kick on and win the game.
0: Yeah I think it's a strange one, I think as you say, you've got to accelerate anyway. I guess some people may argue that you maybe wouldn't accelerate till possibly the 11th, 12th over I think the the whole nature of T20 cricket is that you're going to accelerate quite early on and if you're three or four down already by sort of the eighth ninth over, you've got to accelerate while those batsmen, your actual frontline batsmen, are in there. So I think, yeah, I I understand what they're saying. I understand that one point's better than none and maybe teams should be a bit more sort of proactive trying to get to that boost total. But as you say, they they should be being proactive anyway. It's a game of T20 cricket, it's 120 balls. You've got to chase that target pretty quickly anyway, so it shouldn't really make masses of difference.
1: And Sam, when when T20 first started, there there was a little bit, a little similar to how 50 over crickets played. You get the initial rush through the power play, then teams knock it around for ones and twos and then accelerate towards the death. And that's how T20 always used to be played at the start. But that's gone a little bit now. People are far more, that curve kind of goes up all the way through the game. And despite the fact that the, the fielders are outside the circle and stuff, the batsmen are more than capable of knocking boundaries in those middle overs, aren't they?
2: Yeah and there's a school of thought I think with some coaches that actually T20 it's about you have to look at the the collective it's much better to have six or seven guys that get between 15 and 30 at a strike rate of 200 than it is to have one guy that kind of bats all the way through and, and do what you say kind of scores quickly in the power play then slows that slows down and accelerates it's all about runs per ball but it's, it's a difficult one with the this boost point because it's it adds that extra dynamic game within a game. But there, there are, I mean, I can't figure one off the top of my head, but there are there's plenty of examples of teams being in trouble, look, looking down and out after six, seven, eight overs, maybe rebuilding, and in T20 cricket, rebuilding is maybe scoring at six and over for three mm-hmm. or four overs, and then, and then coming good right at the end when they've looked down and out for much of the game, so maybe the bash point, we, we might lose a few of those amazing comebacks, but then it's it, you've got to balance it up. Isn't it? What, do you, what are you going to go for? Go for broke, or actually just try and take the one point?
1: There was a game of fairly early on in the tournament where a team batting second was, you know, on the face of it, out of it, and the commentators were saying this is a very one-sided game, and they went for the boost points. I'm not sure if they got the boost point in the end, but it actually it gave them the impetus to then go on and actually get very close after 20 overs as well. But I think the boost point has been a really good addition to this, apart from in really one-sided games where potentially today you could have said the Sixers didn't deserve to get that extra point anyway so uh, possibly we got the right result with Per Scorchers taking all four of today's points crickets a game played with balls you've got to look after them in the field badges are furry creatures my friends at manscaped.com help you make sure it's neat and tidy down there oh get rid of all that excess fur make sure that you're neat and tidy make sure everything's in the right order oh feeling all good now down in set oh manscape.com maximum skin safe performance compact design advanced engineering ceramic blade waterproof and it doesn't end there show you care by caring for your pair cleansers revivers preservers simply go to manscape.com quote the discount code badger you get 20 percent off you get free shipping and you get some seriously quality equipment manscape.com get on there now I was interested to say I've not really paid too much attention to the um, attendances at games during the Big Bash Ten because obviously sitting in England we're so used to empty grounds that I've I've really forgotten what spectators look like. But I, I paid a bit more attention today and I saw the crowd figures flash up for uh, today's game and it was almost twenty two thousand in a obviously socially distanced reduced crowd because of COVID. But that made me think about England's stadia and the fact that I mean I, I equated it on our WhatsApp group too. That's a full headingly twenty two thousand is a jam packed full headingly cricket ground and in England we have stadia that are sort of 20 to 25,000 There are test match grounds where you go to India you go to Australia they've got grounds that can take 100,000 thousand, not they MCGs was 120,000 it if it's fully fully functional it does give you a kind of a bit of an insight or a bit of a, a guide as to how some you know a big bash can be so profitable and how an IPL can be so profitable I know there's TV rights and everything but bombs on seats tickets being sold you've got so much more potential actually haven't you in, in countries where you've got massive stadiums.
0: yeah the bigger the stadium and also I, I dare say sort of the better quality of the stadium as well obviously Australia I guess they're lucky in the sense that they're often multi-purpose grounds that a mix of sports are useful so I think just having them bigger and better stadium obviously A you can fit in more fans B I guess you can sort of almost give away or lower the prices to get the youngsters in and then having the actual better stadiums with the better facilities I guess makes it more of an option more attractive to, to families to, to come in and to watch and you can't deny that a game with say 50 60,000 people is going to have a better atmosphere and going to grab the attention of a child more than a game with 10, 12 thousand there, and I think that's just a fact of life. And obviously, the stadium in Australia allow that to happen.
1: You say that, though, but I've been to a T Twenty match at Chelmsford for sake of argument, where I think the capacity is around about six thousand, and. When that's jam-packed, it's a fantastic atmosphere and you feel a bit closer to the action as well because the ground's a little bit more compact. So, yeah, I I can see both sides of it, but obviously Chelmsford are never going to get the gate receipts that an MCG might make. And Sam, it's um, interesting, isn't it, with a 100 around the corner in England, England's big sort of showpiece stadium where the eight franchises are going to play from, you're never going to get the same kind of crowds you get for a big bash game or an IPL game. No,
2: although I think, Lord, you know, the Oval on a... On a T20 game, a T20 night, certainly a, a week night, can pretty much sell it out. Um, so uh, we can push close, but I, I don't think on on the same level it,
1: it wouldn't be sustainable. I mean, what I'm getting at is the sell-out crowd at the likes of the Oval, the Headingly, etc. I mean, Headingley sells out for a Roses game. But it still it still sells out for sort 22, 23,000 whatever the capacity is there. Where you sell out an MCG, you've got five times the gate receipts, haven't you?
2: Well, yeah, and but we don't have that. We just don't have that option. None of none of our big grounds are, are multi-purpose in the same way that you know we'd, we'd use the M- MCG. They play all kinds of sports there. They've had a Commonwealth Games there. They've had an Olympics there back in the 50s. Like when the Lords and the Oval, I think well, maybe Lords was used for archery during the Olympics, but we just don't have that option. And so, yeah, of course, a sellout ground of 70, 80, 90,000 is always going to be a better atmosphere than a smaller crowd. But it is, it's like you say, full grounds, uh, it's supply and demand. And it is about Somerset do the same, Essex the same. Having those full grounds with the, the crowd close can be just as, as difficult to go and play in. Yeah. Um, a challenge for crowd on a Friday night is uh, is an interesting uh, trip for an away player
1: Yeah and it would be interesting actually to know what it's like for a cricketer to be at uh, a full Chelmsford or a half full Edgbaston or something like that you know because you, you know, a full Chelmsford would feel quite intimidating I would imagine or quite exhilarating depending yeah. on your perspective In changing times like these make a change yourself Buy your own home. Still living with parents or renting? Why not buy your first property? Mortgage rates are lower than ever. Speak to Blue Crocodile. Blue Crocodile? Yeah, Blue Crocodile. They'll get you the right first time by a deal by searching the market for the most competitive option for you. They don't bite, they're just straight-talking people like me. Give them a bell or go online. Blue Crocodile. Silence in the kangaroo court. Be seated for Judge Badger, because we're going to be debating the career of Jason Roy and his England placed. Plenty of English players playing in Big Bash 10. Some are taking their chances, some maybe not quite so much. And Jason Roy's having a little bit of a fallow period in a very distinguished career, it has to be said. Per Scorch's opener, he's uh, in the Big Bash, 124 runs from his four innings, 49 his high score, average of 31. But strike rate of only 116, and he was a little bit steady today at the top of their innings. Maybe he just stodged it up a little bit. And his recent form, 2020, one day form for England in white ball, T20 internationals, his scores of 70, 40, 7, 0, 14 and 16. And in ODIs he's 32, 21, 24, duck, 1, 3, 21, duck. So he's not pulling up any trees, particularly in recent times. So Alex Hales is exhilarating crowds in Australia, 243 runs from his seven innings so far. He's right up there towards the top end of the run scorers in the competition, a strike rate of 176. He is really playing very nicely. We have the debate today. It's basically Jason Roy or Alex Hales at the top of the England order. Sam, you're going to defend Jason Roy. Go for it.
2: Well, James, I, you know, I can't, I can't defend his recent scores. They haven't been brilliant. But what we have to do is look at the, the factors of mitigation. And, you know, in the summer, he missed part of, about, I think about half of England's white ball games with a side strain. The previous year, he'd had a, a hamstring injury. So just a lack of cricket. I think he's one of those guys that needs to be out there playing games consistently in the middle. He missed the IPL. In in hindsight, maybe that might not have been his best decision. Um, But, we, you know, we've got quite short memories here. We only have to go back, well... So we go back a couple of years. He's the man with England's highest ever ODI score. I think he got 180 against Australia at the MCG we were just talking about. And, you know, in England's glorious 2019 World Cup winning somewhere, I think he averaged somewhere in the 70s, got 150-odd got in the group game against Bangladesh, and that was basically on one leg. And if we remember you know, those couple of games that he did miss, England really were kind of lacking something at the top of the order. So we, we were desperate to get him back in. But we know he's got quality. Uh, He's still young enough to turn it around. He's just in a a slightly bad run of form. Bit of confidence, full fitness, a year of cricket, and Jason Roy is still England's number one ODI opening batter for me.
1: Good argument there from Sam Dalling In favour of Jason Roy, he's got to have some credit in the bank, hasn't he? World Cup winner, for goodness sake. Ash, tell us why not.
0: I've got to admit, I've I've always been a big Jason Roy fan, and I hoped it was just a slump and he was going to come out of it, but I think he's had quite a lot of game time now in the T20s. And it's just not happening. And it doesn't look like he's gaining in any form, which is the biggest worry. It's one good shot. You think, oh, he's back in. and It's just not happening. It's not clicking. And I think Sam almost hit the point for me. He is England's best ODI, opening batsman. But T20 is still a different game. It might be the same colour ball, but it's a different game. And I think Alex Hales is England's number one, probably, opening batsman in T20 cricket. He's up there with Josh Butler. He consistently keeps on getting good numbers in these franchise competitions. And looking back at the ODI World Cup, we were probably a little bit lucky that we ended up getting through to the latter stages because we struggled when Roy was out and we had Vince in And we needed Alex Hales then. And I understand that he's obviously had his issues with discipline issues. We all have heard about the positive drugs test. To be fair, in sport and cricket and football, drugs, gambling, alcohol... Addiction's always been a big problem And it's a big problem in life in general And it's something he needs help with And yes, obviously he's been still, He's done it He's had his punishment He's missed probably the biggest Tricky moment in the last 10, 15, 20 years Of England winning the World Cup He's had his punishment Surely now is time We bring back a batsman Who is one of the best in the world Who's in peak form Ahead of another World Cup Where England could hold both White Ball World Cups something that would be massive for both English cricket and for the country in general really and looking at youth sport and I I just think we've been a little bit silly now still not giving him that extra chance because he's been so good and it's the one questionable spot possibly now in our T20 team
1: i tell you what, there's not much to add to that. Fantastic arguments from both Sam and Ash there. Is Jason Roy the man to stay with? He is the World Cup winner. He's got some fantastic performances for England in his back pocket. Or should they turn to Alex Hales? It's probably not as clear cut as that. There may be other people in the mix, but Alex Hales in fantastic form in white ball cricket. Yes, he had a... A period of his life where he went off the rails a little bit. But uh, there's not many of us can look in the mirror and say we've been perfect forever. And uh, as long as he's got himself back in some kind of shape and he looks like he has with his performances in the Big Bash, should England turn back to him? You decide on the at cricket underscore badger Twitter feed. The poll will be live by the time this podcast is published. So have your vote on there. Roy or Hales for England at the top of the order. Both of them going to be key factors for their teams in the Big Bash, the Sydney Thunder and Perth Scorchers, respectively, as they go forward in Big Bash 10. Ash and Sam, thank you very much for joining me today.
0: Cheers, James. Cheers, Sam. Yeah, you're welcome, James. Cheers, Ash.
1: And thank you, everybody out there, for listening as well. Thank you to bluecrocodile.co.uk for their support of these Big Bash dailies. We'll be back again tomorrow. In more big bash chat plenty to talk about plenty to look forward to as we go through the rest of this big bash 10 all the way through to the final on the 6th of february i've been james the cricket badger and i'll see you tomorrow
2: big bash 10 thanks for listening we'll bring you another edition of the cricket badger big bash daily podcast in association with blue crocodile.co.uk tomorrow see you then